It's Friday night, 7 o'clock. Time for the sports phone. Welcome to the sports phone. You are listening here with Jim Young and Vincent Lee. Uh, The sports phone is a listener and uh, caller driven sports topic conversation. I I'm, apologize, Vince. I was supposed to start. I thought so. You threw me <laughs> off there, Jim. I was like, wait a minute. I'm still going through my mind what I want to say. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, we've got a guest host in here, Vince Lee. Um, probably the most regular uh, sports phone caller. And I was going to uh, introduce him. And all of a sudden, I told him, come on, Vince. It's your turn to talk. So I, I put him on the spot there. <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, Jerry is... Well, to give him the night off, he had to be involved with sports. Jerry's in a very exciting moment. He is applying for a a coaching job in one of the more prestigious programs in Portland, Oregon, in, in the West Lynn uh, Public High School um, school. Like that has four championships, state championships in the last ten years. So he's really excited. He didn't want to say no to his first sort of like interview. So um, it's just a hobby, you know. Coaching is a hobby. He's not gonna... I, I think you and I know about hobbies <laughs> and coaching. Vince and I, Vince, uh, our guest host tonight, as I say, calls in more than anybody, and he and I coached. I don't know, probably more than ten seasons together at some level. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes he was the head coach and I was his assistant. Sometimes I was the head coach. We seemed to to do well working with each other and. Um, play off each other's strengths so uh, yeah what is the sports phone vince oh well as i was so abruptly put on the spot trying to explain sports phones just basically a, a an avenue to talk about anything from horse racing to the nba um it's driven by the callers you know jim and jerry and i tend to have topics all the time but the best part about it is we never get to those topics because you the caller call in and basically drive the show and let us know what you want to talk about and we have learned a lot of great things from the format of this show. Um, Whirly ball? Just, with, just well, name, well, think, name, about, think about what you just said. Anything from NBA to horse racing. Who would have thought horse racing would have been on the top of our agenda for the last month? I'm and, telling and, or, you. or that we'd be talking about horses on steroids. But um, we want to get back to something here. That, yeah, that Speaking of steroids. If those people that, that listen to the sports phone regularly... Um, know that until COVID, which has now been a year and a half, without much high school or local sports, doesn't have to be high school or middle school, we've done rodeo, we've done fishing, we've done surfing, we've done kayaking, we've had interviews from people in those local... um, So we are starting back tonight to to our our original format where we're going to have a... a, um, a uh, a guest a guest uh, speaker and I'm I'm gonna I want to get right to it just because um it's my favorite new lunch host or my lunch lunch uh, partner at at work uh, our guest tonight is going to be Dr Patty Chico she's a board certified family f- physician she works out of Fort Bragg now it's from when you talk to her it sounds like she's been all all over the world. Uh, she grew up watching sports in Chicago, and this little bio she wrote about herself, this is so Chicago. She's had the privilege of seeing the Bears win championships, the Bulls, the White Sox, and then in parentheses, 
in addition to that other baseball team and the Blackhawks win championships. She also played sports, soccer, basketball, ran cross country, now is into biking, running, swimming, hiking, you can imagine backpacking. So we wanted her. She now has become known over the last month or two. Can't remember how long it is. That's not my forte. She has been the sports phone medical consultant. You there, Patty? <laughs> yes, I'm here. You want to contest your uh, your uh, bio at all before we get into it? No, nope, that's what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So... Let's get right into something that's right in the top of the news. Vince, you want to go with a question for Patty? Yeah, I think the most interesting, uh, you know, right now we've got a lot of stuff happening in sports. Um, You know, the baseball's banning substances for pitchers. Um, But the biggest thing right now, we we had a horse get banned for for, uh, steroids. (laughs) But the one I think is the most interesting is this runner, Shelby Houlihan, um, has been banned for four years um, from track and field. And it was because she tested positive for a performance enhancer known as Nandrolone. And she states that she got the substance from eating a pork burrito. And I'm going to lay this out for you, um, to uh, Patty, just to kind of explain the actual potentials of getting the steroid from eating a burrito. And um, what is Nandrolone itself? Yeah, um, so Nandrolone, a lot, um, first of all, thank you for the, for the introduction and for having me. Um, I always feel like it's important, um, to source what it is that, um, like I'm referencing, uh, so that you guys know where I'm getting my information from. Um, just as a, as a physician, I feel like that's important. And then given all the uh, misinformation out in the world. So, um, right now I'm looking at, um, a USA Today article. Um, that was written on the 15th of June, um, just kind of explaining what um, mandrolone is. So it's a synthetic anabolic steroid that's similar to testosterone. And so most people understand what we mean when we say testosterone and, and what it can do. And in the case of athletes, um, it increases muscle mass and our definition. Um, so that would be the reason, Patty, that would be the reason someone would take this steroid if they were taking it exactly. on purpose. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I guess, it's uh, um, been a favorite of bodybuilders. Mm. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, so it's banned by um, the World Anti-Doping Agency, um, and it is one of the most, in 2019, um, the uh, WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, cited it as uh, one of the most common anabolic steroids that they detected in athletes in 2019. Hmm. So this is none of this is new. Um, and the question as to whether or not it can come from pork. Um, so they cited um, they cited the, the Handbook of Experimental Pharmacology and and basically said that the amounts that um, athletes would get from from the consumption of, of, of like kind of almost secondary uh, consumption of the substance would be incredibly low um, and so and and the um, the court of arbitration for sport uh, they don't usually entertain um, arguments about contaminated mm. meat unless the athlete can provide a sample of the meat for testing so do they give a a, a time frame in which like, how soon did she eat that burrito and get tested? 
You know, like, is that is is that part she, of the... I think she said the night before. I think that was what I read okay. that she said. And, and yeah. does, WADA, does WADA basically state anywhere in there that, like, they're not even entertaining a uh, that time frame opportunity at all? Or is it just, like, that's pretty much a broad statement where they don't even want to hear anything unless you can provide the sample? Yeah, so um, there was something that I came across on WADA's website, and now, of course, I can't find it. Oh, no, here, there was something where they had given out, they had sent out, like, a notice about certain um, uh, certain substances that have been found in meat um, and just kind of warning athletes um, against the consumption of said, you know, meat products. Um, due to the concern of like four or five different substances that are are banned, um, so just warning them like maybe avoid these substances um, like before testing. And all I right, remember reading right. that in the initial article too uh, that I, when I first read about this case. All right, all right, um, hold on, but, hold on a minute the, here, the, hold on a I'm minute sure. here. I grew up, you know, with people. You know, I'm 67 years old. I grew up with people smoking in cars. I grew up with people smoking in gymnasiums when, and on airplanes, I should say. And all of a sudden, we science catches up and we realize we're making other um, people sick. And we come up with this catchy name, secondhand smoke. I hate to just joke about this, but are we really talking about secondhand pork here? So clever, Jim. It's so clever. Um, so, yeah, I just found what I was looking for. So there's a stakeholder notice regarding potential meat contamination cases on that WADA had sent out. And this was sent out June 1st of 2021. Um, and so it says certain anabolic steroids agents may be used in certain countries as livestock growth promoter. Um, and then depending on the circumstances, the consumption of meat containing residues of anabolic agents may lead to very low concentrations of those anabolic agents or their metabolism in an athlete's urine. Um, so, and it says it is not currently possible for anti-doping laboratories to distinguish between low concentrations that reflect the tail end of excretion of a steroid used for doping purposes and low mm. concentrations that are due to the consumption of contaminated meat. Mm. Um, so, I, so I think that their guidance is to kind of stay away from, I'll keep kind of looking at this while you guys talk about that, but but they did, they did put out... <laughs> um, uh, a warning about this it looks like to the athletes but like you know like i've told you guys i think it's 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 even if you're not doping these are really difficult rules to follow um because like if an athlete takes any kind of supplement um and supplements are not regulated by the fda and especially if it's a perform it's marketed as like a performance enhancing mm-hmm. supplement you don't know what's in there like there's no no one is doing like unless it's been third-party verified and not all of them have been an athlete could, could who is who's trying to follow the rules could consume something and not even know that they're consuming it we're on kzwx 707-895-2448 that is the uh, number for the sports phone um, this is just too too interesting. And um, while we have a, a medical expert with us, um, if you have any calls directly for Patty Chico, the sports phone medical consultant, she's on the air right now, 707-895-2448. Give us a call. We'll, we'll try to take your call. When we're done, we'll, we'll take calls, well, like we do on the sports phone, about anything. But, I mean, how sensitive, Patty, is this? Test. I mean, did they, did they know when they formed this test that that it could come through a pork burrito? And and <laughs> if, if so, what are we doing 
this athlete have to be a chemist? And and do they? This is a career. There's no Wheaties box for this person if if they don't win the Olympics. I mean, this is a big deal to be banned. Yeah. Well, I think that that's. I mean, like as the um, as these tests get better Mm -hmm. and as the science gets better, these tests just become more sensitive. It's not dissimilar to the um, the sticky substances in baseball, right? Like as the technology has caught up and like. You know, you can, uh, coaches and staff can go into the dugout and like look at what did that pitcher just do and they can play it over and over and over again. It's like, it's, it's very difficult to hide anything at this point. And so these tests are, have become incredibly sensitive. And so it looks like it's an issue based on this, um, notice that they put out that WADA is, is, is investigating, you know, what to do about this, but only specifically with one, two, three, there are four, um, substances that they're specifically zeroing in on, and the one that she tested for is not one of them. Right. But it's, she's, it's, it's still an illegal substance is the way they found it with her. That's why she's banned. Right. Yeah. They do have they do have a, a process for people who test positive for, like, at low levels of these other four substances um, for, like, there, there, is, there is a pathway or some kind of process for those athletes to, I don't know, um, like, you know, to, to determine whether or not they, they, can, they can play or not or whether or not they're banned. But it doesn't look like a similar pathway exists for the one that she tested for. Have appealed, and as of this morning, she had not entered any appeal to um, the track and field agency. So um, she kind of, I think, either has accepted this or just didn't have a, a way to actually prove, you know, th- that, that that it came from the pork burrito. And I'm I'm a little more concerned with a, a, a fine tuned athlete like her getting ready for the Olympics eating pork burritos. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if that <laughs> should be part of her diet at all. Anyways, I I. I... <laughs> I am so, yeah, so amazed. Yeah, so this with this, with these substances, what they're, what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to look really quickly at the process. And what they're saying is that there's an atypical finding, and the athlete says that they ate meat products within 72 hours prior to the collection of the sample, and then they have to determine um, whether the livestock in question mm-hmm. <laughs> was in a country where these substances yes. are used, or if it was imported from such a country. Um, like that's part of the whole, that's part of the inquiry. I mean, it's just, it's so, <laughs> well, it might be a lot of like, like contact tracing, but for like steroids. 707-895-2448. Give us a call to the sports phone. Anything you want to talk about in sports, question for Patty Chico or just bring up your own subject. We'll keep her on here for, for a minute. Um, I have an interesting take on this that, that I think I've run by. I'm not sure about Vince, but I know I've run about you, Patty is think of the opposite situation these seem like opposite situations we if you ask why steroids are banned from athletes the most politically correct answer i have found is it's not good for us it's not good for the sport it's not good for humans it's not good the 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 side effects are very well known uh for steroids it's a very short-term success rate and and it's not always a pretty picture after that that's steroids this sticky stuff on the fingers is very interesting because it's banned to use something on your fingers. So now we decide after, what, 100 years of baseball, we're going to enforce it. And it turns out that the sticky stuff, as far as I can tell from what these pitchers are saying, was preventing 
repetitive injuries, and they're getting hurt without the sticky stuff. So it's almost the opposite situation. Well, and I think the other thing is it's a matter of um, you're changing the, the the nature of the repetitive movement without giving the athletes, like when they just kind of cut them off from it, mm. like it completely changes their, their grip on the ball. And you're doing that without giving, like if they, if they would have said like at the end of the season, okay, moving forward, we're not doing this anymore, then he would have at least given them the off season to train. Um, uh, with yeah. a different grip and like get their get their muscles and their joints um, accustomed to a new grip, but cutting them off cold turkey is really setting. So it's not it's not necess- I mean I don't know that anybody has studied <laughs> whether or not I don't think the injuries are necessarily from not having like any sticky stuff. I think it's a matter of just the cold turkey kind of nature of just cutting it off and it completely changing their form. Right. That that's kind of what one of the the pitchers sense. had stated um uh, on the particular team that I I root for the most, the Tampa Bay Rays. Um you know, he mm-hmm. stated he stopped using sunscreen for his last two starts and noticed that the way he had to grip the ball differently was definitely causing a strain on his elbow. And I think part of the problem for pitchers as well is the fact that Major League Baseball, pretty much every other year or every couple of years, is adjusting the baseball itself, raising the seams, lowering the seams, tightening the stitch. Um, so the baseballs are not the same from one year to the next. And that's where I also feel like pitchers are just like, they're never able to really get used to a baseball because they know it's going to change soon, depending on what Major League Baseball does. And so... I, you know, I'm sure there are, again, this is one of the situations where I'm sure there are pitchers using stuff to absolutely uh, enhance their pitches. And then there are probably other pitchers who are using something to be, you know, make their, make it easier on their arm and also make the control a little bit better, which makes it safer for the batter in the box. Well, I, I thought about it interesting is, is I talked to a basketball player about, about this, um, and which which I am as well, or or was I got? I'm not sure if you ever are, are done. Um, and they said this for a pitcher. This guy also pitched. This for a pitcher would be as radical as making a basketball player play in a weird, different shoe. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that it's that substantial. Right. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. hey, you you got to play. You, you got to play basketball in, in high heels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do think. That, yeah, yeah. I, do they? I, that's interesting. I didn't know that about um, that they changed, but I think I maybe had come across that, but I just read it too quickly that they changed the ball every year. Do they do that with like in football and other? No, I don't think it's. That I, use I don't think it's every year, but you. There definitely over the last few decades, the, the baseball has changed. Um, I mean, there was the era where they were calling it the juiced baseball because the ball was was more tightly wound. So um, it, it was able to jump off the bat better. <clears throat> Pitchers have talked about some years the seams are just a little bit lower so they don't have the ability to really get spin rate on their, their change-ups or their sliders. And then some years the, 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 the seams are higher and so the pitchers are able to you know, get better grip and do more with the baseball. So it's just, I don't know if it's an intentional thing or if it's just the production of the baseball being just done differently by the company making the baseballs. Do they, do the, are the players, do they just kind of find out when they show up to spring training and they're like, oh, hey, look, this is different? Or are they, are they notified or, you know? The, the reason, Patty, is the baseballs usually, it's by the administrators 
um, any of these changes like this, are they, they decide what are people going to pay more tickets for? Do they want to see uh, uh, more strikeouts? They want to see more no hitters. I mean, there's so many games. A, a very slight change can change. You know, in a big picture, it can change a lot. So they raised the mound, what, 50 years ago when they wanted pitchers to have a little bit of an advantage. Then they changed the balls so they would go further. In college, they brought in aluminum bats that would send the ball further. And it it seemed like they were, that people wanted more home runs. And um, a lot of people think this is just another advantage. I mean, come on. Every other sport, Tennis players have grippy things, and they can spray stuff on their racket. Baseball batters can put this sticky pine tar on the bat. One reason, get a better grip on the bat. And all of a sudden, oh, but, but pitchers, no, you can't have any pine tar. So it's they're, they're, these are arguments. They can go a lot of different directions. Yeah, so, so like this year, for instance, Patty, they, they, they sent a memo out to all 30 teams before the season stating that they were going to, quote-unquote, deaden the baseball. So the baseballs are lighter, and the coefficient of the restitution, essentially the bounciness of each ball, will be more consistent, um, which, which is going to reduce the amount of home runs is what they were trying to do this year. So they do, they do let the teams know. Um, so, yeah, there is a little bit of, uh, at least a little bit of heads up as far as that goes. And I don't know how often that they make those intentional changes. Like, like I really think sometimes the seam issue is just a production uh, uh, problem. Um, and so then I would imagine the pitchers are not warned until they get to spring training. Yeah, well, I, I just like, I, I think that um, I wonder this kind of, I wonder why or if or how the players union has gotten involved in this issue because it's, it's, I mean, it seems like it like it's not. They, there should be at least some kind of. Um, I mean, if they're if they're doing it um, like during the off season and then they they show up and they make the change, then I think that that's fine. That at least gives them time to adjust to it. Yeah. But I think, especially making a change like this in the middle of the season, I, I it doesn't seem. I haven't heard anything from the players' union on this issue, and it seems like it's kind of a a workers' rights type of an issue if people are getting injured. It has to be. 707-895-2448. Give a call to the sports phone. We're at about the 24-minute mark. we got about 35 minutes left. I think, Vince, um, we should wrap up and and move on to some of of our other issues. Patty, um, like you always do, I'd like you to to listen up and give a call back when when we bring up another subject that, that you've got. Um, information on. Uh, we'll see what the listeners have to say. I want to thank you so much for coming on the sports phone and, and for continually to support us. It's it's uh, it's really fun. Jerry was bummed that he was going to miss you this week. and um, Well, I'm happy I was here to uh, be a part of this. It's a <laughs> so really great I. chatting with you. Thanks, Patty. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. Have a great night. All right, Vince. That's uh, well, That's a bundle of information right there. Yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of felt like she was channeling her inner Jerry, you know, being on Google the whole time and looking up stuff while she was uh, chatting with us. That was great. All right, well, we're taking calls seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Vince, what do you got for uh, this day in sports? That's our feature of something that happened in um, oh, on t- June. What is it? June eighteenth, somewhere in the world on June eighteenth in another year. What do you got? I got nineteen sixty U.S. Men's Open Golf at Cherry Hills. 
Arnold Palmer stages the greatest comeback in tournament history, erases a seven-stroke final round deficit to win his only U.S. Open title by two strokes ahead of Jack Nicklaus. That's very, very interesting. Um, that is quite a comeback. Anyone that follows golf, seven strokes in one day. Not not in the last three days, but um, one day, in, yeah. in one day. And I, I seem to remember, I was only six years old, but I grew up in a family... That, that played golf, watched golf. I guess my brother would have only been eight years old, but he was playing, um, I think he was playing golf at, at, um, at that age. So, so uh, I, I think we were watching golf. I, somehow I remember that. The interesting part about this is my This Day in Sports was 1967, but it was also 1960 because in seven years later, and think about it, when we do This Day in Sports, in seven years from 1960, which had to be a Sunday because it was the last, yep. it was the last day of uh, of, of, the, of the U.S. Open in 1967, which would have been the next time it, the last day of the U.S. Open was on a Sunday. The opposite happened. Jack Nicholas came back and beat on her palm. Oh my goodness! Not by not by setting any records, but what what are the chances in that? So. And, and just those two guys, seven years apart, still playing great golf. You got to love it. And I, I don't know what those two names mean to you, Vince, Jerry. They, they, they probably don't mean anything. Oh, I, I, I know those names very well. Whew. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think I got to see them play in their prime, but those guys are definitely. They're just, you know, they're they're the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson of golf, almost in a way. You know, as far as, you know, they probably generated in the '60s and '70s a lot of attention towards golf there yeah, a lot of people i mean arnie's almer uh, army uh, people it, arnie arnold palmer had a sort of a following if i remember it was called arnie's army i don't know if tiger woods group had a nickname do you know i don't think so but but it's the kind of people that they would go to a golf tournament and instead of sitting in a really good spot and watching all the players in the golf tournament, all these people did is follow Arnold Palmer to every hole. And they were called Arnie's Army. And, uh, you know, he, he's a legend. Um, Tiger Woods has that kind of following, but I guess he doesn't have a nickname. <laughs> I don't recall there being any uh, nickname for Tiger Woods' fans. The uh, Today in Sports, June 19th, 19, or I'm sorry, 20. What are we in, 2021? 2021. Um, we've already talked about. I was going to bring up Shelby Houlihan, who, as we just talked about for a little while, um, tested positive for the steroids found in a pork burrito and got banned today for four years from Olympic, I don't know, from, from the U.S. track, I guess, yeah. and which means she can't be in the Olympics rec- representing the U.S. track team. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Give us a call about anything sports related. What do you got, Vince? Well, not, I mean, today's sports news really that that's the biggest thing out there today. I mean, we could you know we could see if maybe the uh, the Clippers and the, the the Hawks close out their series. That'd be kind of a big big news for the day, or if anything crazy happens in baseball. But, you know, really right now the big news is the, the Houlihan story and the, the substance stuff in baseball. So, so let, let's review uh, NBA for a little bit here until someone someone calls. Um, the NBA, we're down to, well, we're down to, to three, end of three different series, which will 
get us to four teams, if, if you will. There's three series going on and one team that's made it to the next level, the Phoenix Suns, in the West. Oh, that's right. We have one game one t- uh, that's at two to three to three. That's Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I'm uh, I'm going to give my predictions right now. I predicted every team that was behind three to two or behind two to three, like Milwaukee, um, Utah against the Clippers, and the other one is. Oh, the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. They're all I'm predicting the, all Hulk, teams yeah. all teams that are down 2 to 3 will come back and win. I believe the 76ers will win, the um Utah Jazz will win and I think Philadelphia will come back and win too against Atlanta. Well, That's, Jim, I'm not sure if you're recording that at home, are you or can I give you an update? Oh, go ahead. Give a, no, I am uh, giving an update, but I'll take I'll tell take one. All right. Well, the, it's 76ers have tied the series 3-3. So you're one oh, step it's over? you're one step away from getting that one. That's 2 out of 3. There you go. And they'll go home then, right? They go back to Philadelphia. I think that's the biggest thing for Milwaukee is they have to go into Brooklyn. Um and tonight Utah's got to win in LA to go back to Utah. So those two could be a little bit more difficult to get your your uh, uh predictions correct, but uh, I think that you've got the right path especially with you know Kawhi Leonard not playing even though Paul George played an amazing game, can he do it two times in a row or even two out of three games? Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, I don't think Milwaukee would have had a chance if those if that team didn't have all these injuries. I mean, that's just part of basketball. But, you know, I think Harden, Irving, and, and Durant, healthy for a whole seven-game series, that series would already be over. Well, part of... Part of basketball, there's a lot of complaints. LeBron just went off on some sort of social media. I don't know what his social media of choice is, but he was saying, I told you so. He was saying this reduced rest after the bubble, after COVID, jumping right into not only a reduced rest, but a condensed, more intense season right into the playoffs, an extra playoff round called the play-in game. He predicted a long time ago more injuries to superstars, and so far, um, I mean, you can start listing superstars that are either injured or out. So I, I wonder, it's, and this would have been a great, something maybe down the road for Patty to, to talk about since she's really into sports and, and medicine. You know, I don't recall players in the 80s and 90s taking a lot of, there was no, you know, load management. You know, I know that <laughs> I know the season's the same length, but I don't think they took any time off during, you know, not a, not a lot of players sat at all. We didn't see repetitive injuries back then as much as we do now. What's the difference? Why are we now seeing more injuries, especially you know soft tissue injuries, than, than we did back then? I mean, these athletes now are supposed to be in better shape. They're supposed to have a lot more uh, med- medical support, um, better health diets. I mean, everything. Why now are we seeing more injuries? I'd, I'd like to have a theory on that or, or some other people's theories on that. So the real weird question then is, with... More rest, more terms like load management that you know the Charles Barkleys and the Michael Jordan never even heard of. Yep. Resting players specifically, or not playing players specifically to rest, that's all going on. And there's more injuries. Injuries. So the question is: Is it specifically related to these condensed seasons around COVID, or is this a? Um, does the load management would we do we know before COVID if load management did prevent injuries? And I and I'm not even just speaking basketball terms because you see a lot more of these injuries across sports in general. It's football, baseball, whatever. Um, 
I think you just you tend to see a lot more of these injuries in this generation of sports, and it just kind of makes me wonder. You know, I watched maybe you know guys in the '80s and '90s again that were not in the same kind of build of the players today. Why are the injuries more prominent now than they were back then? It's just kind of a, an interesting dynamic in sports in general, for my mind, to, to, to think about. Well, here's a take um, take on it. Uh, head injuries were going along in my day. Of You fell and smashed your head on the floor. We know now what a concussion is. It's when the side, your brain actually runs into the side of your skull because mm-hmm. the brain floats around inside the skull. Right. And when it moves, it hits the side. We would be dazed. We might even pass out. Um, it would hurt. We would go out so the game could go on because we were dazed. We would go, And then um, we would be back in there, usually by the end of the game, if not next game. And all of a sudden, science catches up. And we find out that concussions aren't just that day. We feel better. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a common cold where you beat the virus and now you can go out ag- again because that virus is gone from you. It turns out that each time you get a concussion, it accumulates. It's repetitive. Not only is it repetitive, but it accumulates and it takes less the next time. And now, all of a sudden, football players are suing the football leagues for a multiple concussion. So, my, my question for you, Vince, is because we know more about head injuries, are there more head injuries? And now that we know more about soft tissue injuries, are there more soft tissue injuries? Is the testing more sensitive? Yeah, well, and part of it, too, Jim, I think maybe could just be precautionary. You know, like a lot of these things could be... Oh, wait, okay, he's feeling a little tweak in his hamstring. We're going to go ahead and sit him down for a few days. You know, he's not going to be gone for weeks, but we're going to go ahead and, and take a break on that, on that particular athlete so he doesn't hurt himself worse. You know, I think maybe that could also, because I think more now today than ever before, the players are look, looked at just, you know, as assets in a way by ownership and management. You know, there's a lot of money tied up into these athletes. And them sitting for a couple of days just so they can be there for the next three months is probably a, a valuable decision based upon that. And how does this affect the, the, the use? Are, theoretically, the pros are role models. Um, mm-hmm. Charles Barkley once stated, He's not. don't look at me, I'm not a role model, I'm just a basketball player. That was an interesting statement. He, he had a lot of flack for that, but... I think that's that's why he's he's so famous is because he he didn't buy into to everything. And anyway, um, will players rest more now that they see if pro players are resting every now and then? We're calling it load management, and uh, we're going to give players more rest. Will youth players that are playing? I, I mean. When Jerry played basketball, we, he tried to play basketball 12 months a year. When I played, I played every day. I never took a break. The science is showing now. I think Patty told me, Vince, that um, the sports scientists are saying that um, uh, sports scientists are saying that um, we need two days of rest even for youth per week. On the sport that you're playing, that was unheard of in my day. Oh yeah, and same with mine. And I'm, you know, years after you playing sports, but that's just the way it was. I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I, I personally would say I never felt like I needed a lot of time off 
I don't recall ever really nursing injuries and fighting through them. I've always felt like I was able to just well, you know, do my sports and, and do them well, but that's not everybody. So well, That's the argument uh, with, with concussions, though. Mm-hmm. No one thought yeah. they were, were having cumulative head injuries when they hit their head three or four times, or in football they hit their head you know, every week, every day, every practice. But all of a sudden science catches up and says, that is really bad, and you're going to be... So, um, I mean, I'm going into my second hip surgery... Um, I'm 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 re, re, gonna have a second my second hip totally replaced in two and a half weeks. I never thought I was repetitively hurting my hips. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that I was. We know now that without two days rest for a youth, they are setting themselves up for repetitive injuries. So that's true. Yeah. As as in concussions, will the new sports science? Will it change the habits of us abusing our youth? Well, I think one of the things that it might do, and these things have been discussed a few times, is shortening of some of the professional seasons uh, as well. You know, well, you could sh- you could you could shorten baseball anytime you want. I tell you, I'd be okay with that. Hello, call. You're on the air. Hey, it's Patty again. I was hoping um, you were going to call back. Yeah. So um, a couple things. I wanted to. I was just trying to look this up. Um, it surprises me that the number of games for the um, NBA has not – I would be surprised to find out that the number of games has not changed in the NBA over the years. Um, I mean, that, that could be true. But I also, I also feel like – you know, I, I've talked about this with Jim a lot. Like, just the nature of the way that the game is played has definitely changed yeah. in, in terms of basketball for sure. Um, and so I, that, that, that must account for um, kind of the increase in exhaustion in, in these players. The style of play? Yeah, it's faster. That's the what we're style talking of play. About. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? It's, you know, I, I never played a basketball. I make a claim to fame that um, I scored 68 points in a European game without a three-point line. So I make the claim to, to fame. I've never played a game with, without with a three point line. I don't watch the game and say they're playing faster than we did, but I guess science says they 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 did. I don't I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. That would be a great question. Um, put put a miles meter on a player and see if they're actually running more now than they were before. I just sat that he, you could follow a player now on a, on a game film. And and tell how how exactly how many miles they're yeah. running, how many times they're turning, how many times they're jumping. All those things are calculate could be calculated. Oh, definitely, that's the the metrics of sports these days. And I I would say most likely because of the a lot of teams will play that quick shot. You know, there's not a lot of teams that really run through an offensive set to get the best shot. There's a lot of teams that run down and get a quick shot, and they're running right back down the floor. So maybe not across the board, but I bet more teams are. Having to go up and down the floor more times than not, uh, more more frequently these days. Z-Man, our Chicago texter, <laughs> he did not <laughs> let me get by that, uh, Vince or Patty. What do you mean shorten the baseball season? <laughs> Boo! You don't even watch or even follow baseball. Well, I, well, Z- I think that is the point, Z. I don't follow baseball, and... Uh, <laughs> 
Um, um, so, yeah, that was one thing I was going to say. And I think, you know, just to bring in, I know, Jim, you and I tend to like to use the same analogy with uh, the people that we take care of. But, you know, I mean, it's like if uh, looking at how, like, a race car wears down over time versus, like, my car, right? So if you're driving right. the car differently. Oh, I see. And I think looking at looking at the body in, in that way, I think, is really helpful. Mm. And so it's not to say that. And I think that also takes out this idea of, like, oh, it's harder now than it was before. I think it's just different. Like the vehicle is being driven differently and being used differently. And so how does that affect the wear and tear? And and one of the things I was thinking of too is, and Jim, you can speak to this, you know, how much like weightlifting did you do? Like when you played, you know, semi-pro and, and that, that is really different than how they train now. Like I think that the, 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 but cross training and all of these other things, it just it, it seems like not just the style of play is different, but the way that they train is different too. What do you think? I I did nothing but <laughs> play more basketball. If if I was going to train more next week, it was more hours on the court, another mm-hmm. four hundred shots up, one hundred percent abusing the repetitive aspect of the sport. I, I have no. I, I'm not saying it was good. The only thing I uh, said. To, to you over lunch was I would I wouldn't if I knew back then that I was going to die at age 67 because I played too much basketball I think I would have not played as much but if I knew back then that I was going to have to have my second hip replaced in two weeks I think I'd do it all again I traveled the world I got a good college education I had fun I, I would I would I would do it again, and I think a lot of athletes. You didn't you? Isn't it you, Patty, that came up with some wild stats that some Olympic athletes said they would do it again, even if they would die, like take steroids or something? Yeah, let me find that. It was um, from a course that I'm I'm taking, like a continuing medical education course on sports medicine. But what do you yeah, think? The, um, the survey was. Let's see. So in 1987. Let me find, sorry, it's loading. In 1987, a study of Olympic athletes, uh, researchers asked if you could take a pill that would guarantee you the Olympic gold medal but would kill you within a year, would you take it? And over 50% said yes. Wow. Wow. That, that's unbelievable. So that, 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 in a way, is what I just talked about. But I'm in the middle, so I'm in a way less extreme. But I would do it again in exchange for... Two new hips. If if um, I I think if you love what you did, if you were passionate about the sport you played, and you knew that thirty forty years down the road your body was going to break down a little bit, I think most people would say they'd do it all over again because that's what they loved to do. Now I'm not sure if I'm yeah. supporting the I would I'll die next year because I take a pill get a gold <laughs> medal. That's a little extreme, but again, that's what people are working so hard to achieve. And it means so much to them. I understand completely why they would say yes to to that question. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a passionate basketball player and you got to travel the world for ten years and got an education out of it, but you knew you're going to have two hips replaced thirty years down the road, I would say that's a that's a fair trade off. So now the question, Patty, is with new science that you and I talk about all the time, do we implement it? That will if we implemented. Every youth basketball 
player had to take off two days a week because we know from science that that will prevent long-term repetitive injuries. That's not a question anymore. That science is out there, just like we know that concussions are repetitive and cumulative. So now we're doing different protocols for concussions. So we're going to have less people die because of concussions because we're doing something about it. If we now that the science is there, if we put that into youth sports, force kids to take a break, um, will they last longer and have less hip replace in um, in 40 years? Isn't that what we're trying to get at? at? I mean, I, I actually, um, I think, I mean, as a physician, it's it can be hard to explain. Like, you know, I think smoking is a really good example. Like, trying to explain the risks of smoking, like, you might die someday. Like, anything that isn't going to kill somebody, like, right now, it's very hard just as humans, like, for all of us, right? Like, I'm not going to wear my, what are the odds if I don't wear my seatbelt right now that I'm going to, like, fly out of this car? Like, it's not zero, but it's not a 100. And it's, You know what okay. I mean? Like, I think that... As humans, like calculating these kinds of risks um, isn't easy, especially when the risk is is so remote. It's something that might happen maybe in the future if I live that long. And so I think I think kind of I I would kind of like to like switch the conversation to more of like how can we support these athletes to be more successful. Um, and, and understanding the, the psychology of, like, they, they would be willing to, like, die to get a gold medal. Okay, so then what do we do to support their bodies so that they can, so that they can be successful and not get injured? Um, because if they get injured, then they're definitely not going to get a gold medal, right. <laughs> you no, know? So I think, I think trying, to, trying to figure out, um, not, like, use it as punishment, but just use it as if you, re- if you let your body rest, your body will come back stronger and you'll actually be able to do more and perform better if you actually take care of this thing instead of like driving it into the ground so, because you're wearing it out. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So 707-895-2448, we've got about 12 minutes left. I want to keep Patty on unless she gets bumped by another caller because this is really interesting now is <clears> – <throat> So these concepts of load management, which I assume you were listening when we were talking about that, Mm -hmm. will a 12-year-old that's being in in AAU that's being followed now by 15 universities, happens all the time, they track them right from age 12 on, will that they see Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich creating something called load management, everyone jumping on board because science is behind it, will the 12-year-old, because they see the NBA players as roles, will they say, I'm taking this game off, I'm not practicing today? Will that trickle down because these guys are role, um, because these guys are role models? Yeah. Vince? I can't imagine it wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you see some kids, youth basketball players, imitating on the court their 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 their, their hero in in the professional uh, ranks. So if they're seeing more and more that people, and maybe it's a good thing if we if we teach it the right way that like this is actually what you should be doing, um, then it's then it's a positive. Um, I hope hopefully it would be initiated from, you know, the coaching people instead of coming from the kids first you know I, th- I think this is like science that's coming out to say hey maybe right now as, at the age of 16 17 18 you're not feeling those 110 miles you ran every every week for the cross country and track season which i did 
you know, and now I, you know, I, you know, I've got pretty sore knees. I'm not having hip replacements or anything like that, but I definitely You're too young. Running, running right now is not something that I enjoy like I did when I was younger because it, I can't go as far as I used to do. You know, I can maybe do three to five miles, and I feel like that's about the best I can get out of my body these days. When I used to run, you know, ten to fifteen to twenty miles at a time. So I, I feel like well, I wish I knew back then that I was okay for me to take a, a couple of days off, or maybe even a couple of lighter days. Um, or more. Well, yeah, and I think I think changing it, changing the mindset to like explaining, you will actually perform better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you take, if you like, if you have good nutrition, if you if you give yourself days of recovery, because that's the other thing. I mean, we see disordered eating in athletes all the oh. time, especially in female athletes. And so I think like like converting it to instead of making it like a punishment, or even instead of making it like when you're 70, then this you'll pay for it. I mean, who cares? They don't. They're not yeah. thinking that far no, ahead. True. I yeah. think switching the conversation to you will perform better if you take care of your body. Yeah. Like that is where that that will that will get to them. I think. Yeah, I definitely took that into. I coached cross country and track here at Mendo for a few years, and I, you know, I, I did not allow my my, my runners to to go over a certain limit during the week, you know, like we, we would run this much, please don't go home and run another 10 miles, you know, like keep, you know, keep yourself in, in these levels. So when it comes time for the meet, your body's fresh, you know, the workouts we're doing are going to be enough to prepare you. You don't have to overdo it, you know? And so I definitely brought that into that level, you know, based upon what I was put through, uh, through cross country and track in the, in the early nineties. We talked about, um, yeah, okay. I think, I think you lost your train of thought. That's say. okay. <laughs> That's okay. Can I can I jump in? Yeah, I, please. I wanted to um I wanted to bring up why children are different um, mm. because I know that that kind of that question has been asked. Um, so, are you guys still there? Oh, yeah. in, in, oh, yeah. what, in what way yeah, though? You you don't don't just hit us with that before you tell us. Okay. W- what do you mean? Sorry. Okay, so yeah, um, so why, because I think that's the other thing we have, because you guys have asked about youth sports, and I think understanding, and I think any pediatrician, and I'm not a pediatrician, but any pediatrician will tell you that children are not adults. Their bodies are not the same as adult bodies. And so, um, and what does that mean practically? And just again, because I like to give my citations, this is from um, a pediatric overuse injury lecture that was given by Dr. Siraj Achar. Um, through the American Academy of Family Physicians. So anyways, um, so just like the take-home points for that is that, um, so in kids, so we know, like everybody knows that, like obviously the bones of children are growing until mm-hmm. they're not growing. And so what ends up happening is that the, the, the muscles um, are, are like don't necessarily comply with that growth. Um, and so sometimes the, the, the muscles have to catch up. And so if you're in, in children, what is an athlete, what does that mean? I mean, if you're using your muscles to, to exercise. And so if those muscles um, are being stretched, then there's a risk that there's going to be like a tendon injury, kind of where they're inserting into the bone. Um, hmm. And so those are really common injuries that we see in children. Um, because those, because they have really tight muscles, because the muscles are just like the bones are just kind of like stretching them out, um, really, you know, really, really, really taut. One um, of, and then, sorry. One of the common, uh, just to throw out there to the uh, general public, one of the common, I think, repetitive tendonitis type injuries that has a very common name is shin splints, and it happens mm-hmm. a lot in in children. It happens a lot in teenagers. 
Right, exactly, yeah. Um, and then um, also, again, considering that there is that you have bones that are growing, you have areas of growth um, called the growth plates in, in, in those developing bones, those growth plates aren't, 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 aren't as strong as necessarily the rest of the, of the bone is. So their kids are much more at risk for, um, for stress fractures than adults are. Um, and so kind of stressing the importance of, um, of flexibility and, and also of kind of um, like uh, muscle release for those really tight muscles. And I've definitely seen this in some adolescents that I've seen in clinic. Um, and so I kind of try to help them focus on that because they have their muscles are super tight and that's putting them at risk for, for a lot of these traction injuries. Mm-hmm. So I just I wanted to make sure that I, I, I kind of planted that seed out there that, that children are not adults. And so they, they do need it's, it's even more important. Everybody should have two days of rest, but it's even more important for them because their bodies are developing and they're just very different from adult bodies. It's interesting. I thought about. Vince and I coached together for a lot of years, rode a lot of buses, two-hour bus rides each way in Mendocino when you go to places like Covalo or Geyserville or, or whatever. And something I noticed, so this this has to do with, with youth. So wh- whose fault really is it for for pushing some of these children too far? I remember we would get back on the bus, and within 15 minutes after losing that big game, the kids were in the back of the bus and they'd forgotten about it. But the coaches up front, me and Vince and whoever else it was, were like beating ourselves to death and couldn't get over it for two hours. And I would take it home for the next three days. And it's like, so would I put that, would the coach put that over, you know, making sure the kids are, are getting enough rest? I think the older you get, the I don't know why... I, we that the losing bothered us more than it did the players. <laughs> well, I think you, you, for youth, I think the the biggest hurdle is getting parents to not be so driven. Um, you know, for their for their child, I, coaches. Yes, we, we definitely have a, a desire to win. We we want our our kids to, to perform better. I feel like the the biggest issue would be parents as far as youth athletes being pushed too far. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. We've got about three and a half minutes left on the sports phone, and uh, the phone's not ringing right now. So if you have a, <laughs> a, a medical question, to give you a chance for free medical advice. Give a call. We've got Dr. <laughs> Patty Chico on the line. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's setting um, well, you up, Patty. The other, the other little caveat I was going to add um, while we have like a couple seconds is that um, uh, you mentioned you know relationships with parents and coaches, and this kind of this is a whole this could be a whole other show, but just talking about mental health and athletics, and oh, just yeah. you know, oh, in yeah. some of the preparation I did for today, um, just looking at what are risk factors for um, like mental health issues for athletes. And the junior development years, um, supportive relationships with both parents and coaches are, are protective. And so obviously the opposite of that would increase the risk of, um, of, of having mental health issues um, in the athlete. Hmm. Speaking of mental health issues, just to throw one out that's been on the top of the news lately. Give me the right pronunciation, Vince. Is it Naomi or- um, Osaka? Naomi Osaka. Yeah. Naomi Osaka yep. just dropped out of French Wimbledon? Open. No, French Open. No. French Open. Oh, that's what she, and and she just Wim- dropped out of Wimbledon. She just dropped out of Wimbledon. And she's going to do the Olympics. But she's going to do the Olympics. Um, Nadal just dropped out of both the wow. Olympics and, um, and Wimbledon. And Wimbledon. Yep. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Federer quit halfway be- in, in during the French Open yeah. and is going to try to play Wimbledon and has dropped out of, of the Olympics. So this is load management in a different sport. And I think this is... Whether it be emotional or physical. Yeah, and I think this is all coming off of you know, the pandemic and everybody kind of not having the pressures that they had before and then coming back to it and maybe realizing how heavy being a, a great professional athlete is and, and the pressures that come with it. <laughs> you know, maybe these things don't really come out to, to surface if they didn't have time away from it for a moment there. I, I, well, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, Michael Phelps has talked a lot about um, his struggles with mm-hmm. with um, mental true. health issues, with anxiety and depression. Um, so, I I think it like you know, my, mental health is sadly incredibly stigmatized yeah. everywhere, and I think in athletes, I, it's it's probably even more because like they're supposed to be these like gladiators, right? Sure. Who have just come out and play. Um, and so, I, I think it's something I that we're not talking enough about, and and hopefully there will be more research done on the prevalence of this issue definitely and re- really quick jim before we, we we have to go but uh when when is it considered i mean I'm, I'm sure there's not like an exact timeline for oh the child is now fully grown so you know they we can start raising the level of their activity um even though we still recommend the two days off uh, even for adults is, is there kind of a general age where that that tends to happen and we can kind of start to increase or does that well, there's clearly an age when the the growth plates Clothes on the bones. Okay. That, that's a range, isn't it, Patty? Oh yeah, this is such a board question, and some of my residents that I used to work with up in Humboldt are listening, and I'm sure they're shouting out the answer <laughs> right now right. at their at their uh, phones. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking it up right now. Um, it gotcha. happens on average between um, ages 15 and 20 for girls. Um, let me see. What else? I only see when it is for boys. 17 to age 24 for boys. Wow. With okay. the most common being 18 to 22 years for boys. Wow. We got 10 seconds here, Patty. Let's let's wind it up again. You made our show tonight, Patty. Thanks for the call. Thanks for being on the interview. We got to wrap it up. Please, everyone, listen next week. We'll we'll do it all again. Thanks, Patty. So, Vince, you were the guest host. We've got. Uh, Ten seconds. Wind it up. Well, I appreciate uh, being here, Jim. I hope Jerry had fun tonight. I really appreciate Patty being on. Um, and hopefully next week we'll get some more callers. And I uh, look forward to being a caller myself again. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.